If you'd open your Bibles to Romans 16, please. Romans 16, we're going to be looking at verses 17 to 20. We begin in verse 17. Paul is just coming off of this discussion where he had all of these people that he cared about in the church. He named them. We went over that last time. But he says, now, now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those. And he uses a tense here, continually, continually keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching. I want to point out the word contrary. It's the word para in Greek, which means departs from the teaching. And the word for teaching means there was systematic teaching that Paul did give to these people. Systematic teaching that Paul gave in this letter of Romans to the church of Rome. So keep your eye continually on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learn and turn away from them. And the idea here is continually turn away from them. I mean, this is not something you just do one time. You just continually do this. For such men are slaves, and again, they're continually slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive, and that's another present tense verb, they continually deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to all, therefore I'm rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent, in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. That's a potent passage of scripture that Paul writes, and may God add his blessing to the reading of it and the exposition of it later. Will you join with me please in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we bow before thy sovereign greatness today to thank you that you are God and thank you that you're an amazing God. Only you could send inches of snow on one day and take it completely away just a few hours later. And only you could design a plan that could wash us as sinners whiter than snow and take away all of our sin in just a few seconds. We want to thank you for that. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for your precious Son, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. This time of year, Lord, we reflect on him and his work. We thank you for your spirit that convicts us and regenerates us and seals us. And we certainly want to thank you in light of this passage for your precious word. What a gift. We pray that we will be so well grounded in your word that we will always be able to spot phony religious people and phony religions. I pray we would be so dedicated to your truth that you've revealed that we would be forever knowledgeable of what's right and wrong, and we'd be able to choose the best from the good. Lord, in this passage, we're compelled to pray for our church. We would pray that you would always protect us from any false instruction, any false teaching, any false teachers. There are many in this world who twist things, they invent things that are not sound and true, and they make it sound good. And I pray that our church here will always be a place that can quickly spot those kinds of people, give them no voice at this fellowship. We pray for this country and those leading it. We pray for their salvation. We pray for your intervention in their minds. We pray that you would turn minds to spot those that are trying to lead the nation away from you. We pray that you would turn minds of people in high positions of power to spot those that are leading the nation in wrong ways, leading them toward thy judgment. And we pray that you would turn those minds to see truth and turn the nation back to thee. We also pray, Lord, for Israel. We pray for the Jewish people. Lord, this is your nation, and we realize we owe them a great debt. 
And we realize they've turned far away from you and from your son, but we ask on their behalf that you would protect Israel and that you would provide for Israel and you providentially use your power that only you have to turn many of the Jewish people's minds to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Back in 1995, Reynolds Showers of Friends of Israel wrote an article in a magazine called Israel My Glory. In that article, he told the story of a professor at a seminary who came up with a semester project for the entire class. Their assignment was to systematically go through the entire New Testament and chart all of the different themes to determine how many times each theme was mentioned in the New Testament. When the project was done, they concluded that the theme that was addressed more than any other theme in the New Testament was warning against false doctrine. Starting in the book of Matthew, Jesus certainly warned to beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing or nothing more than ravenous wolves. When you read through that Gospel of Matthew, you do see over and over again that Jesus Christ confronts those religious phonies, those religious Pharisees, and he calls them whited sepulchers and hypocrites. He says those false teachers will be able at one point in time to perform signs and wonders that, if possible, would deceive the elect. Jesus said, be on guard against them. Be on guard against the Pharisees and scribes and their teaching. Paul, when he gathered the church leaders of the church of Ephesus and he gathered the elders together, he said, look, you need to keep watch over the flock of the church because there are these people that are out there who are outside the church and within the church and they will distort and twist truth. The apostle Peter said, be on the lookout for those ignorant, unstable people that distort the scriptures. The Apostle John said, test the spirits because there are false prophets in this world that are not of God. And the Apostle Paul said, as we near the end, people are not going to be given to sound doctrine and there will be a plethora of religious teachers who will tickle ears. They won't be after truth. In every New Testament book, there are warnings against being on the lookout for false teachers and false ministers. Years ago, there was a church I know that was doing everything it could to bring in the crowds. That's what they wanted to do. And one of the things that it did was it let people do what they wanted to do. They came into the church and had an inkling to do something, they let them do it. Their philosophy was that it's the people's church and our goal should be make them all feel important and special. Now there's somewhat of a truth to that. I mean, the list of people that Paul gives us in Romans 16 proves that many people did work in the church for the Lord, and they were being positively used by God in the church. But the idea that this church had was if somebody came into the church and they want to do something, they pretty much let them do it. Well, one guy came into the church and he wanted to teach. And he wanted to teach adults. And everyone thought, well, that's a great idea. Let's let him do it. Let's let him have a class. Well, he began to teach things that weren't right. He started moving away from what the church believed. 
He started teaching things that were like people were going to go into the tribulation. They were not going to be raptured before the tribulation. Then he started to merge that in with if you didn't see the right works in your life, you weren't saved. He started drifting into lordship salvation and he started attacking the pure grace of God. As a result, the people started to become confused. They're listening to this guy, and they don't quite know what the believer think. And that started some to question a lot of things. The church became a disaster. In a short time, the church was gone. Solid people who knew the truth left that place. That all happened because the leadership of the church did not do its job. The leadership of the church did not follow the grace teaching of Paul that said this in Romans. The church must spot and identify those who continually promote teaching and causes that are contrary to sound teaching, and they must turn away from them. Now that's what Paul says in this great doctrine of the gospel of God. This is so important, and it's interesting. One of the priorities of the church is to promote the peace of God. Paul has stressed that in chapter 15 and again in chapter 16. One of the ways you promote the peace of God is not to be at peace with certain people. Now in the previous 16 verses, Paul gave a list of faithful people, and those were faithful people of God, faithful people to grace, faithful people to truth, and faithful people to Paul. But those people had earned that reputation. Some of them had been solid believers longer than Paul. But Paul knew there's a danger out there. He knew what the world is like, and Paul was not about to say everybody at church is in the same category. Doctrinal unity and sound doctrine and teaching must be protected at all costs. The church is to be a place that patiently endures all kinds of people, but there's one area where you don't patiently endure a person, and that is if they start propagating or teaching something that isn't true or accurate. Now, in Romans 16, Paul had just given a list of people who were to be greeted. Man, it was a great list. We worked through that last week. But notice when you come to verse 17, now. Actually, I like the better translation, but. It's that in Greek which is a strong adversative. Here are the people to greet, but now, but now there are some people you are to avoid. There are some people to be avoided. And when Paul says, keep your eye on them, he basically says, you carefully, consistently, continually, you be on the lookout for certain people. You don't greet these people. You don't befriend these people. You spot them and turn away from them. In fact, you don't have fellowship with them. William Newell said, mad dogs are shot. Infectious diseases are quarantined. But evil teachers are everywhere tolerated and supported. I like something James Montgomery Boyce wrote when he described this, and he describes it perfectly. Oftentimes, these are the people who show up in a congregation suddenly, usually from another church where they also have caused trouble, though they give no indication of that when they come. They're knowledgeable, 
and they get people to follow them easily. They have considerable abilities. They are leaders in the sense that they have enthusiasm, and generally they're used to teaching, and they want to fill that role in the new church. Unfortunately, although the Bible warns us to make full proof of those who ought to be teachers, people like this are usually warmly welcome and quickly put to work because most churches need able people who actually want to serve. These people come into the church, they're not interested in pure truth. They're not interested in sound doctrine. They're not interested in rightly dividing anything. They're not interested in the whole counsel of God. These are the kinds of people who come into the church and they're interested in propagating their own way of thinking, even though it may be wrong. And the church, Paul says, before he signs off this letter to the Romans, has to be on the lookout for these kinds of people. Years ago, we had a guy sneak into our church in Indiana who was putting heretical tracks in pews and bathrooms. We had a hard time spotting the guy. We didn't know quite who was doing it. But we would collect all the tracks that he would propagate. He was trying to get people to go back under the Old Testament law. When we found out who it was, because we actually assigned a guy to go into the bathroom with every person who went in there. And that's what we did. We had one of our leaders say, when you see anybody go, into the bathroom, go in there. And we found out who it was. We went to him and said, you're done. You're done. You're trying to affect a flock and put them back under the Old Testament law. We won't stand for it. We confronted him. We said, you're welcome to come to be taught, but you're not welcome to come here and propagate your false doctrine. And we put a stop to him. Not long ago, most of you have no knowledge of this, but we had someone come to this church who wanted to send out something to the congregation. We analyzed it and realized, no, no, that isn't going to happen to our congregation. You have some theological quirks in there, and we're not about to sanction this kind of thing. So they got mad and left the church. That's okay, because I think we're protecting the church. Now, Paul says in verse 17, I urge you, I urge you. It's another urgent message coming from Paul. He wants to get this urgent message in before he ends the letter. Paul began the practical section of Romans with the same urging. I urge you, brothers, present yourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He also used it again when he urged people to be people of prayer. And now he uses it again. He says, now I'm going to give you another urging. And the urging I'm giving you now is you stay away from certain kinds of people. And I want you to notice what he says there in verse 17. I urge you, brethren, you believers, you believers who comprise the church. So he wants everybody in the church to be on the lookout for specific people. All believers need to keep their eyes and ears open. And you just don't let somebody that's propagating some strange idea or doctrine get away with it. You listen to what they're saying. That's what Paul wanted these brethren in the church of Rome to do. And I'd like to handle this text and ask and answer three questions. First of all, what are the traits you spot in these kinds of people? Well, verse 17 kind of gives us the traits. I urge you, brethren, keep your eyes on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned. The people can be spotted by two main character observations. You've learned teaching. You've learned teaching from the Word of God. 
And all of this is able to spot these kinds of people. You know the truth. You've been through the truth of Romans. So the specific teaching by which we can analyze things is the grace teaching that's found in the book of Romans. We're not under law. Works have nothing to do with salvation. Communion service proves that today. Works have nothing to do with salvation. In fact, in Romans 4, 5, Paul said, But if a person does no works whatsoever, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. You know that truth. You've been taught that truth. That truth has come straight from the book of Romans. Paul has unraveled the grace gospel in Romans, which he received directly from Jesus Christ. And Paul says, here's what I want you brethren to do. When someone starts opening their mouths about religious stuff, I want you to listen to what they're saying and gauge it. Gauge it. Whether it squares with this. And there are two character traits that you can spot. First of all, they cause dissensions concerning truth. Concerning the truth that you've learned. They're deceptive. They cause dissension by deception. They just start... Moving away from truth and soundness concerning the grace of God. And that word dissension is a word which means they just start drifting apart, drifting away from truth. So what this person will do, they'll just start moving a little ways away from the grace instruction that's been found in the book of Romans. This person will be in dissent against what is revealed in Romans. They'll propagate a man-centered works message rather than a God-centered grace message. They lead away from true teaching. That's what they do. And the word for teaching, didaskalia, is a particular word that would indicate Paul had systematically unraveled this teaching. So these kinds of people, what they'll do is subtly They'll tell you, oh, yes, you've got to believe in the grace of God. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. But then they'll try to put you back under the Old Testament law. Or they'll try to put you under their own legalistic codes and rules. It'll be a subtle attack. They won't come out like a blatant heretic. They'll merge in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll attack grace, but it'll do it in a sneaky way. They will be these kinds of people that will have discussions, and the discussions will lead to dissension against the truth. They're deceptive people. We had a guy years ago come into this church who really started doing that with this doctrine of lordship salvation, which is a pure heresy. It's a pure heresy. And he was subtle in how he promoted it. But he promoted it. Finally, we went to him and we said, you're not going to promote that in this church. See, we know doctrine in this church. We know these books of the Bible in the church, and you're not going to do that. So you're welcome to come. You're not welcome to promote your faulty doctrine. And if you continue to do so, we'll expose you, and you can leave. Well, he ended up leaving. Grace is not connected to works in any way. In fact, Paul is clear in Romans 11.6, if it's by grace, it's no longer by works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. There was a family told me this week that their father was kicked out of a church because he helped a man change a flat tire on Sunday. That's exactly what they told me. Where did they get that nonsense that you couldn't help somebody on Sunday 
You couldn't help a guy change a flat tire. Where did they get that? They got it from some faulty teaching that doesn't understand grace. That's what faulty teaching does. Paul said, you be on the lookout for that. Secondly, they'll cause hindrances contrary to true teaching that you've received and learned. He says in verse 17, and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you've learned. That word hindrances is the word scandala from which we get our English word scandal. Sound doctrine produces sound lives, but unsound doctrine produces unsound lives and often leads to scandal. And these people that are walking around with this pious look on their face, propagating their faulty doctrine. Believe you me, if you could get into the closet areas of their lives, you would discover these are not people dedicated to truth in Jesus Christ. They're not after that. These teachers will just start subtly departing from what the scriptures say and lead people away from things that can actually ensnare them. It can doctrinally and spiritually trap them. Years ago... There was a lady in our church whose mother was in the hospital dying. And so they asked if I would be willing to go and visit this mother. She wasn't going to come out of the hospital. I said, sure, I'll go. So I went to the hospital room and I visited with this mother. She had been in a church, a charismatic church, that taught her the reason that she's sick in this bed dying is because she has sin in her life. Now, just imagine that. That's what this church propagated. The reason you are in this bed dying is because you have sin in your life. Well, I proceeded to, first of all, blast the whole charismatic movement because they don't know what they're doing with the Word of God. They pick and choose little verses, and they don't even know what those verses are talking about. And then, ultimately, through the course of my visits with this woman before she died, she came to understand truth. She came to understand that in Jesus Christ, she has a relationship with God. It's not based on the fact that she has sin in her life, and that's why she's in this hospital bed. And then she said to me this, I want you to do my funeral. And what I want you to say at the funeral is I've been taught wrong in the charismatic church. I want you to say that to them. Will you do it? I said, okay. (laughs) Come the day of the funeral, in walk the charismatics, front rows. I'm thinking, this is not going to go well. But we got to the part in the service where it came time to do that, and I said, before this lady died, she asked me to share with you something that you need to know. She was in a church that taught her wrong. Taught her wrong. She came to understand that in Jesus Christ, she had a wonderful, eternal relationship with the Lord. And she came from a church that was all messed up. It was a charismatic church that was just messing with people's minds and spirituality. You should have seen the look on that pastor's face. He's sitting right down here. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to look at him because he wants to kill me. That's what happens to these people. They affect other people. Which brings us to the second question, what are we to do when we spot people like this? Verse 17, turn away from them. Turn away from them. Continually turn away from them, not just their teaching. Notice this. Don't just turn away from their teaching. You turn away from them. 
It's a present tense middle voice verb, which means you make the decision when you know that somebody is not teaching right, you make the decision that you continually refuse to listen to them and you get away from them. As one writer said, you get as far away from them as you possibly can and as quick as you can. Now, we live in a world, ladies and gentlemen, that promotes religious tolerance. I mean, we live in a world where the cry of the world is, tolerate any religious belief, it's all good. God's word says, no, it isn't. If it doesn't square with the truth, you don't give them a hearing, you don't give them your time. You get away from those people. Paul said in Galatians 1, if somebody teaches something other than the pure grace of God, let them be accursed. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that a teacher who is not teaching grace truth concerning Jesus Christ is arrogant and ignorant and knows nothing and causes problems. And even John, who's considered to be the apostle of love. The apostle John in 2 John 9 and 10 said, if somebody comes to you and proclaims something to you that is not true pertaining to the person and work of Jesus Christ, you do not listen to them, you do not let them into your home, and you do not give them a greeting. Now, faithful believers were to be given a holy kiss. These unfaithful people that are not interested in truth are not even to be given anything verbally, not like a greeting that would let them think that they're okay. When we were in Ephesus, one of the places I wanted to see was the bathhouse. Now, the houses back in the first century that were in these cities didn't normally have their own showers and bathtubs in the house. There were these public bathhouses, and that's where people would go to take a bath. There's a reason I wanted to see that bathhouse, and I saw it. I mean, they pointed, they said, there's the bathhouse right there, because I asked, where's the bathhouse? And they pointed it out to me. There's a famous story about the Apostle John that took place in that bathhouse in Ephesus. The story was told by Polycarp, who was the personal student of the Apostle John. According to Polycarp, John went into the bathhouse to take a bath, and there was a heretical teacher in there whose name was Serinthus, who was in the bathhouse. Now, Serinthus was a heretic who attacked Pauline grace. He was a person who attacked the person and work of Jesus Christ. He attacked the grace of God. He promoted that people had to be circumcised if they were going to be right with God. He promoted that people had to keep Sabbath day worship and rules. He was totally opposite of grace and truth that the apostles were teaching. When the apostle John went into that bathhouse and saw he was there, he fled. And according to Polycarp, he warned God's people, get away from that guy. Get away from him. And he said, because I think that heretic, God may cause the walls of that bathhouse to come down in judgment. That's exactly what Paul's saying here. You spot somebody that doesn't teach in truth, you get away from them. Now, why? There are five reasons. Because these kinds of teachers are not servants of our Lord Christ. Verse 18, for such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ. These kinds of guys are continually devoted to anything other than the truth. And these kinds of guys are continually slaves to anything except Jesus Christ. These kinds of teachers are not true servants of the Lord. I mean, just because somebody says, I went to school or I'm a minister or teacher, doesn't make it true. 
in the sight of God. There are people who claim to be ministers and teachers and televangelists who are not true servants of the Lord Jesus Christ because they don't teach the pure truth of God. They're not interested in this. They don't study to rightly divide the scriptures in a way that's biblically and doctrinally accurate. And Jesus Christ was very clear to point out that one who's truly right with him will be very serious about accurately understanding the word. And then he said, there will be a day when many of these religious shysters and phonies are going to come before me and they're going to say, well, Lord, look at all the stuff we did in your name. I mean, we were out there in Jesus' name. And we did this and we did this. And he said, I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. So the first reason you stay away from these kinds of people, they're not servants of Christ. Secondly, because these kinds of teachers are servants of their own appetites. Verse 18 says they are servants of their own appetites. There are many teachers and ministers who, frankly, they're doing what they do because it glorifies them. There are people who get an ego high of getting up in front of people. It somehow strokes their ego. They're not getting up in front of people because they've put in hours of study to rightly divide and feed a flock. They're not doing that. They're just getting up in front of people because they like to do it. You know, I found this interesting years ago when we had Dan Duncan here from Believer's Chapel in Dallas, Texas. We were talking that Saturday afternoon, and both of us were of the same mindset on this point. I said, you know, Dan, I don't even like getting up in front of people. He said, you know, it's interesting you say that because I don't either. I said, my stomach is in knots every single time. It's not about us getting up in front of people. It's about communicating the word of God. When God's given you this skill, apparently, or this gift, that's your job whether you like it or not. False teachers are self-centered. They're not self-controlled. They're given to their own appetites. They're not truly interested in accurately understanding the word. These kinds of people have their own agenda. It's a sneaky agenda. They have their own ambitions, their own self-goals. They're not truly interested in presenting the accurate truth of the Lord. So Paul said, stay away from them for that reason. Then he said, because these kinds of teachers deceive people. That's what he says in verse 18. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Notice who they get the inroads in. The heart of the unsuspecting. These are deceptive people. Don't kid yourself. These kinds of people have a charisma to them. They know how to use flattery. In fact, the word here that is translated flattering in English is the word from which we get our English word eulogy. So these people know how to eulogize you. These are skilled craftsmen at not being truthful. They know how to make you feel good. They know how to make you feel special, how to make you feel important. What they don't know how to do is tell you the truth of God. They're deceitful liars. They don't care if you're ever right with the Lord. They don't care if you ever know the truth. Paul said, stay away from them. Fourthly, because spotting these kinds of teachers and avoiding them is what is wise and good. Verse 19, for the report of your obedience has reached to all, therefore I'm rejoicing over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. Paul says, look, I want you to understand 
God wants you wise. I want you wise. I want you doing good. God wants you doing good. I want you staying away from evil. And God wants you staying away from evil. And the way you do that is you keep away from those religious frauds. Paul says you are obedient people. You have a reputation for that. You have a reputation for being serious-minded people who love the truth. Paul says, I rejoice over you. But I don't want you simpletons. I want you wise. I want you using things or involved in things that are good, not evil. And the article points back to avoiding these kinds of teachers. In other words, God views sitting under instruction from false teachers being evil. Years ago in a class of religion, there was a teacher who said, let's just go out and visit all kinds of churches. And I'm going, there is no way. There is no way. We're going out there and visit all kinds of churches. I mean, what is that? That's exposing people to stuff that isn't even true. And that's wrong. And Paul said, fifthly, because these kinds of teachers are satanic. Now we get to the crux of it in verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Don't be fooled. The one who is behind all of this false religious stuff is Satan. And he loves to have people creep into the church and try and take it over, especially when it comes to teaching. Satan is the source of all evil. He's the source of all false teachers, and he's the source of all false teaching. He wraps it up in verse 20 by saying, here's what you want to focus on, grace. See it? Focus on grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're about to go into a communion service. So let's be real clear on this point. Grace and salvation are found totally and completely in Jesus Christ. That's what this communion service illustrates. Grace and salvation are found totally and only in him. It's not found in our works, and it's not found in the Old Testament law, and it's not found in our trying to keep commandments, and it's not found in us reciting the Lord's Prayer. Grace and truth are found totally and only in Jesus Christ, which is exactly what those two elements illustrate, his body and blood. So what we learn from the teaching of Paul is, if you want to be right with God, what you need to do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is found by believing in him. You believe on him, and you shall be saved. That's grace. Let's pray. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior right now in this moment, you can settle that right where you sit or where you're at listening to this. Just admit the truth about yourself. You're a sinner like all of us are. And invite Jesus Christ to take over your life. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for the scriptures. We just so esteem them. Thank you that you've given us a book whereby we can gauge everything. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us wise people, people that you classify as wise, people that you classify as good, people that you classify as being far removed from evil. I pray, Lord, as we go into this communion service, we will just have an elevated level of the wonderful grace of God that is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.